0: Easter was a long time ago, right? But we're still talking about because He lives, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy, and what we're going to talk about today, we have purpose. You see, Jesus really, truly did rise from the dead. He really, truly did, did, did die in your place and in mine, taking away your sin, and He really, truly conquered death and rose from the dead. And you know what? His resurrection changes everything. Because He lives, we have hope. We have a confident expectation, not wishful thinking, okay? Not like when you were a kid and you, you made this Christmas list or you sent this letter to Santa and you're like, I wish, I hope I get this for Christmas. It's confident expectation, Confident expectation in in God and His promises of His good for us in the here and now that He works out everything for good to those who love Him, those who have been called according to His purpose, and a confident expectation in the resurrection from the dead of because Jesus rose from the dead, all who believe in Him will too. Because He lives, we have peace. We have peace with God because God has removed the thing that was dividing us. He's washed away our sin. And that peace with God allows us to have peace within ourselves with one another in peace in the midst of the trials of this life because Jesus said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. Yeah. you will have. It depends what, what translation. In this world you'll have trouble. You'll have tribulations. You'll have trials. But take heart for I have overcome the world. Because He lives, we have peace. Because He lives, we have joy. And that joy can can exist in the midst of deep and utter sorrow. Why is that? We have joy because as Christians, there's an inheritance waiting for us, protected for us in heaven that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. And it's there for you and for me. And it's reserved for us. It's protected for us while we are shielded in this life by God's power. And us being shielded in this life doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to us. But it means that as we walk through this life, God is with us. He's protected the inheritance and he's walking with us through this so that when the time comes, that inheritance is ours. And that gives us joy. Today we're talking about, we're wrapping up this series, Because He Lives, We Have joy. Purpose. Your life means something. Your life is important. You see, we can kind of think about it like this. Okay, if I had this rope and I threw it outside that window into the gym, okay, and outside that window, outside in the parking lot, that is kind of like the timeline of eternity, It just goes on forever that way. It goes on forever that way. It's kind of like God who is eternal. No beginning, no end. Okay, At some point in time, God did create, the world did create time. So that's kind of like there at the window. Time has started. And here's the timeline of life. And there is an end. And then there's eternity. And your life in mine, in comparison to that line of eternity, is a speck. It's just this little speck. You know what? Some people, when they think about that, they think about the vastness of the world, and they're like, there is this ball of rock and water out in space somewhere that God created perfectly for there to be life. But you know what? The, this ball of rock and water, it's not even the center of our solar system. The sun is. And it's not even the center of the Milky Way galaxy. There's a big black hole or something there in the Milky Way galaxy. And then where is the Milky Way galaxy in the midst of the trillions or billions or however many other galaxies there are in the universe? We're we're, we're a speck. And some people can look at that and be like, what purpose do I have? I'm a speck on a speck in the middle of the vastness of everything. And we could look at it that way. But I don't think that's the way God wants us to. Because you see, on this ball of rock and water that God made perfectly for life is filled with specks of people like you and me that God loves with an everlasting, eternal, never-ending love. And so though we are these little specks, so to speak, on this bo- rock of wa- uh, this ball of rock and water, our life echoes throughout all of eternity. Why is that? Maybe you've heard this, this uh, phrase or this saying before. Anybody ever heard YOLO? Anybody? Okay, maybe the young ones, the younger ones. Okay, what YOLO means, you only live once. Okay, YOLO. So you can be, well, hey, should we do this really crazy thing? YOLO, why not? Let's do it. You only live once. Live it up. Right? Well, I mean, our, 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 our life is a dash on a tombstone. Like, that's what our life is. When we look at all of eternity, so you only live once, so live it up, get the most out of it, YOLO. But you know what? That's that's wrong. Okay, it just is. Now, now this doesn't sound as catchy or as cool, so I don't think it's going to catch on. But but what I think is YOLF. Okay, again, that's why I'm not a trendsetter. Okay, <laughs> YOLO YOLF. Okay, but it's true. You only live forever. You only live forever you see everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere and so yes the speck of a life we live which you know what, is so much important for us right because that's our entire earth existence it echoes throughout all of eternity because you only live forever and everybody that you come in contact with only lives forever and so this time that we have on this earth This is the time that God has given us to live out his purpose for us here on this earth. Because scripture says it's destined for man to die once and then comes the judgment. And so what are we supposed to be doing in the here and now? And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, okay? But let me just clue you in. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to, you are now entering the mission field. We're called to live the missionary life here. That is one of our biggest purposes that God has given us, to be faithful servants, to do the work God has put out in front of us, and the reality that Christ has died, has risen, He's coming again, the reality that you'll, you only live forever, and that's for everybody, that should inspire us to make sure that people know. It's not YOLO. It's not you only live once, so live it up. Our lives echo for all of eternity. One of my teachers in high school, I went to a small Christian school, uh, even smaller than Jackson Christian, I think. And uh, she said, you know what, sometimes I just wish, or I pray. I don't know, this is what she said, i got to remember right. She looked at us and she's like, you know what, sometimes when I look at you guys as a class, I I can see behind you and I can just see the people that you're going to impact or that you've impacted. You know, we don't know... The seeds we plant, the water we do, and all those things and how God uses them. But your life has incredible meaning and purpose because y'all are plan A for the world to know Christ. And there's not a plan B. So our lives have purpose. Because He lives, we have purpose. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, if you have your, your smartphone or device, you can also follow along uh, on the Bible app, all the scriptures and slides should be up there as long as I push the button this morning, which I think I did. I didn't the first time. Is it up there? Okay. Sam says yes. Good. I did it. So you can follow along there if, if you want to. Okay. But we are looking at because He lives, our lives have purpose. Okay. Paul is talking to the, to the uh, the believers in in, uh, in Thessalonica, and we preached on this uh, at the beginning of the year. Okay. So I know this is a little bit of review. He says, now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. He's talking about end times. He just got done talking about, look, those that have passed away in the Lord, they didn't miss out on it, okay? When Christ returns, the dead rise first. They get their new resurrected body. Then we who are left here, we go up to meet them in the air with Christ, and we will be with him forever and always. And then he says, he's kind of answering their question, well, Paul, when's it going to happen? Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Now, why? Why did Paul not need to write to them about times and dates? Here's my thought on it. Paul has already taught them what Jesus taught his disciples about his return, which we find in Acts chapter 1. So we're just going to read this small part so you can stay in, in Thessalonians, okay? Jesus has risen from the dead. He. It, it, this is day like uh, 40 after he has risen from the dead. He's spent the last 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom and they're meeting together and they're like, yeah, you conquered death, Jesus. Like, this is time. We're going we're gonna to beat up those Romans. We're going to set up the kingdom. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, come on. Like, you defeated death like the Romans. Pfft, easy. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the days and the times. It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has sent by his own authority. So he says, look, it's not about knowing exactly when the kingdom's going to be set up. Here is what your life is to be all about. You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you. Okay? That's the same power we get when we put our faith in Jesus. Same Holy Spirit. You have all of the Holy Spirit when you put your faith in Jesus. Now, we grow in letting him have more of us, so to speak. We grow in walking with him. But it's not like you're a baby Christian, so you just got a baby portion of the Holy Spirit. Okay? You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? Witnesses. That's the word that we get martyr from, okay? Because a witness is someone who testifies to what they've seen and they've heard and we get the word martyr from it because it's unto death, really. So he says, look, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. So, so it's not about knowing exactly when the end is coming. It's about living ready and waiting, And I think that Paul already taught them that. So about times and dates, we don't have to write to you. It's imminent. It was imminent 2,000 years ago. It's imminent today. Christ could return today. He could return in the next 2,000 years. This thing for us is the same as it was for the disciples. You will receive power when you believe and be my witnesses. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. That was the purpose of the disciples. So let's get back to... What Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians. So, times and dates, we don't need to write to you. Why? For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Again, this is the same teachings we get from Jesus. While people are saying, peace. In safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. This is coming. It's inevitable. It's the end of time. It's the end game, so to speak. That's as everything is drawing toward that day. And those are on the outside going in, on the outside looking in, and they think everything's fine. There's peace and safety. It says just like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, well, when the labor starts, and now we have some drugs and things that they can try to slow it down. Now, back in the day, when labor started, like the baby's coming. It's begun and it's going to happen and they will not escape. Continuing on. But you brothers, you sisters, you are not in darkness so that the day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of day. We don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So he says, look, when Christ comes, it's not about knowing the exact day and time. It's going to come like a thief. The world's not going to be ready. But guess what? Y'all are going to be ready. Why? Because you're a son of day. You're a daughter of the light. You have God's spirit within you. God's going to help you live ready and waiting for that day. So you're not going to be surprised. And, and then he goes on like this. So, so you're not going to be surprised because this is who you are. And there's a challenge. Because this is who you are, live it out. Don't be like those that are over here that don't know Christ. Don't, don't fall asleep to the things of, of, of God. Don't live in this way that the world lives. Wake up. Be alert. Be ready. Be ready to go. Live out the calling that you've received. It's kind of like Paul, what Paul says in the book of, of Philippians chapter 2. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You've been given this gift. So don't just be like, oh, this is an awesome gift and throw it away. Take the gift, receive it, walk in it. And the next part of the verse is, for it's God who is the one within you to will in you, to work in a will for his good pleasure. Take the gift you have and walk in it. Live up to the coin that you receive. Don't be like the world. Let's continue looking on here. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breast, breastplate, in the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we're awake or we're asleep, whether we're still living when Christ returns, or we passed away, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Paul wants them to know that their life has eternal significance, because one day Christ is going to return. And it's the same for you and for me. The end is coming. That timeline of eternity all the way out there and all the way out there, there's a time that we get to that window, that time as we know it is done. And the next phase is ushered in. And our purpose is to live ready and waiting for that day. It's kind of like this, okay? Um, I play soccer. Anybody else play sports or anything out here? When you're younger or now, anybody? Okay. So um, in soccer... In international soccer, it's a little bit different than here in the States, okay? And I think I've, I've shared a little bit about this uh, before. But when you play soccer, when I played soccer at Spring Arbor, okay, we had the, the, they had a new field my senior year. It was a really awesome thing to play on. And there was a big scoreboard, and it's 45 minutes is every half. So they start the game, shh, 45 minutes, it starts counting down. You know exactly when the game's going to end, okay? If the ball goes way out of bounds or somebody gets injured, the referee does this, shh, and that means, hey, stop the clock. They stop the clock, they start it again. It's kind of like basketball, okay? The ball goes out of bounds, you stop the clock, and when it goes three, two, one, the buzzer goes, you know exactly when the time's up. But in international soccer, it's not like that, and I think it's better, okay? The clock starts at zero, and it counts up to 45. And when you get to 45, there's a referee on the sideline, and he holds up a little electronic sign that says one or two or three, however many minutes of stoppage time. Because you see when somebody scores a goal and they're all celebrating or somebody gets injured or the ball goes out of bounds, they don't stop the clock. It just keeps running. Okay? History just keeps going on, keeps going forward. And they just go, we'll add it on at the end. It's okay. So they they finish the first half and then the second half, it starts at 45 and goes up to 90. 90 and the game is done, but there's stoppage time. There's only one person that knows exactly when the game is going to end, and it's the referee in the middle. And guess what? He has the freedom. If he has four minutes of stoppage time, he can stop it at 93.52, or he can stop it at 94.16 or 20, whatever. It's up to him. About four minutes, and then the game's over. So, what does this mean, okay? Here's the, the score of a game, okay? I think this is Wes Bromovich versus Liverpool. Okay, they, they play in England. Okay, how much time is, is passed already? Remember, count counted up. How much time has passed? 94 minutes and 17 seconds. See that little plus four? That means we got to do four more minutes than 90. They've already done that, right? But the game isn't quite over yet. And so here's the thing. The guys in the field know the game is almost over. The end is coming. It's imminent. It's tied. For some people, that's fine. A tie, we get a point, it's okay. But in this season, this was last year, if Liverpool did not win this game, then they would not be able to play in the higher league the next year, and they would get a lot less money for their team, okay? They had to win this game. So here's what they did they had a corner kick, which means the ball's in the corner, and you're going to kick it in, and you try to score a goal. Now, if we look up here, we got this team in white and stripes, that's the other team. They're defending. They know the game's almost over. They got to do whatever they can to keep the ball out. The red team, that's Liverpool. The end is coming. It's imminent. So whatever we need to do to get the ball in that goal, that's what we're going to do. Do you see that guy in black there? What team is he on? Anybody know? Yeah. He's got goalie gloves on, okay? He's the keeper. But guess what? He's on the red team trying to score. There's nobody back at the goal to defend. Why? Because the game's almost over, and they've got to score the goal. Or else their season, in a lot of people's mind, is a complete waste. So let's see what happens if we can get this to work. I think it will just work. We'll see. Curled in right. foot, so a great day to be the goalkeeper there. Okay, now, now why do I share that? Okay, I hope that sticks out in your memory, but here's the thing. The end game is coming. We're living in stoppage time, so to speak. Stoppage time has been going on since Christ ascended. We're in the last days. It could be another 2,000 years. It could be in the next day in our lifetime. And God desires us to recognize that and live as if that's a reality because you only live forever. And that's true for everybody that you meet. How you live matters. It echoes throughout your eternity but also the eternities of those around you. So yes, the cool thing about this goalie going up, that's his only goal he's ever scored in that, in that uh, Premier League of, of England. And it saved their whole season because they knew We've got to do whatever we can to win that game. So here's, here is the main overall thing for the sermon that we're going to keep coming back to. Today and every day, live for that day. You see, we're guaranteed like two days in our lives. That's it. Today, like this very moment, and that day. The day that Christ returns or the day that we go to meet him and we pass away, okay? There will be a day that today and that day are the same day. But here's the thing. Today and every day live for that day. The reality that Christ is going to return, that he's going to set up his kingdom, that there is this eternal inheritance for us that we have. So what? how does that look like? What, is it, what does it mean, okay? Here's some exhortation from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul has just gotten done talking about resurrected bodies he's like they're not like physical bodies okay like we're not all going to die okay but when somebody dies and and their body is there they're going to get a new resurrected body and those of us that are here we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye because you know what what it can die and decay can't have that internal inheritance so it's got to be changed into something that is immortal and eternal therefore because the sure reality of the resurrection and the new bodies that we're going to have in heaven forever in god's kingdom therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm this is what you're supposed to be about this is what your whole life is about stand firm let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the lord why because your life matters because you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain this is what paul says look you're going to be resurrected one day or you're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye therefore stand firm now you have a calling You're called to be a witness, an ambassador, a missionary, to be a faithful servant. So stand firm. Don't let things move you. Give yourself fully to the Lord's work. Why? Because it's not empty when you do that. When we walk in the calling that God has given us, our life has purpose and meaning. So today and every day, live for that day. So how do we do that? First of all, if we want to live for that day, it starts with accepting God's gracious gift. If you're not a Christian, you can't live for that day. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you're not ready for that day. You won't spend eternity with God forever. And the only other alternative is separation from God and hell. That's the truth of Scripture. Jesus didn't sugarcoat it, so I won't either. If you want to be ready for that day, you need to accept God's gracious gift now, now what does that gift look like let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul says this in verse 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old has gone the new has come When we put our faith in Jesus, the old is put away. We're newly created. We're brand new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. To be reconciled is to take enemies and bring them together as friends. So he says, look, we're a new creation. How does that happen? It's from God who brought us to himself, made peace with us, made us to be able to be friends with him. How? Because Jesus died for us. And then now as Christians, He's given us that ministry. You need to let people know that they've been reconciled through Jesus. And here's the message. God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against Him. If you're here, or you're listening, and you think you've done too much for God to forgive you, I want you to know this. Jesus' death on the cross is enough to wash away your sins past, present, And future. In Christ. Because he died, God is not counting your sins against you. That's the gospel. Praise the Lord for that. Because if he counted my sins against me, I'd be in big trouble. And now he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. What does that look like? It's as... It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It's as if God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus was on the cross, he took the great exchange of the cross. He took your sin as if it was his, and he offers his righteousness to those who believe, those who are persuaded that he is the only way to be saved that we might become the righteousness of God. And so Paul says this, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you. In the day of salvation, in the, in the day of salvation I helped you. And I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, today's the day. It just is. God is reaching his hands out to you saying, I, I've done it. You don't have to pay for your sins. I paid for it. I love you. I want to give you my spirit. I want to give you eternal life. All you got to do is say, I need it. I trust you. Save me. And he'll save you. And if you're watching online, that invitation is for you as well. Because you see, if we want to live ready and waiting, the first part is to accept God's gracious gift. Now, I know most of you are all here. You've done that. here's the thing we don't just go did it check off we accept God's gracious gift each and every moment of each and every day because if we want to live our life on purpose for him it comes as God's grace and his love is like the marinade of our life that we are living in and accepting his gracious gift each and every day because you know what sometimes it can be really hard because if you're like me I often describe myself as a recovering perfectionist, okay? I, I know my faults. Not all of them, okay? But I know my faults. I know my struggles. And if I can't measure up to the standard that I feel, that I struggle with as a recovering perfectionist, how am I supposed to live up to God's standard? Anybody ever been there? But here's the thing. When we allow God to help us accept that gift each and every day, then it's not about measuring up. It's not about being good enough. It's not making sure your sins are all covered and atoned and confessed and repented and all it's it's about resting in the finished work. Because when we allow God's love and grace and the gift He's given us to be the marinade of our life, that is a way forward for us to live our life on purpose. Because if we want to live for that day we accept his gift. We live in that each and every day. And we want to live as a witness and an ambassador to the world. And we can do that in three main ways. Our deeds, our words, and our ministry. An acronym we've used before, if this helps you remember a little bit better, okay? It doesn't quite exactly line up, but we, we can work on our PDAs, okay? Praying, displaying, being available and sharing, okay? And those kind of will line up. But we're going, use, we're going to use deeds, words, and ministry. But if that PDA helps you remember about sharing your faith. <clears throat> God has called us to be witnesses. We've already talked about that. That's someone who testifies of what they've seen and heard. He's also called us to be an ambassador. Now, has anybody ever been to an embassy before? Anybody ever in a foreign country ever been to a U.S. embassy? Okay. Yeah, I had an opportunity to do that when I was in Guatemala at school. I had an opportunity to go to the U.S. Embassy. Okay, it was kind of a cool experience. Okay, because when you go to the embassy, it is like a little mini United States of America in another country. Okay, unless you work there, you cannot get in without a U.S. passport. Okay, you have to be a U.S. citizen uh, to get in there. Okay, unless maybe you're applying for like visa or stuff like that. Like when you walk, there's like Marines guarding the border. Of the embassy, you walk in there, it is like a little mini United States, okay? We did not get the opportunity to meet the ambassador. We were not that important, okay? But we did get to meet someone that worked with him. But here's the thing. The ambassador, if I I would have met the ambassador, it would have been similar to me meeting the president of the United States. Why? Because in that country, that ambassador represents the president of the United States to that country and the policy of the United States to that country. So when we're called to be ambassadors, that's what it is. We represent Christ to the world. When they meet us, it should be like meeting Christ. When they encounter us, it should be like encountering the lifestyle and the the theology and the philosophy and how we live of God himself. Now, we're not perfect in that, right? We're humans. But that's our calling, to represent Christ. Because here's the thing. A lot of people in the States know about Jesus, right? They've heard about him. But they don't understand the gospel. They don't. And you know what? They may never read the gospels. You may be the only gospel they read. And that's why it's important that we represent Christ to the world, that we represent him to the world, that God has called us to be witnesses, to testify to what we've seen and heard in ambassadors, to live it out. So what's a couple of verses that talk about our deeds? How do we live this out? Okay, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 therefore, okay, what's that therefore, therefore? He's just got done talking about the inheritance that we have that's coming, why we have joy. Because you have that that inheritance, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. So he says, look, you have this salvation. You have this identity. You have this grace that's coming when, when Christ returns And you have a resurrected body and your sins are done away with. Then you have the full presence of God. So set your hope there. And while you're here, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy as I am holy. If we were to skip to the next chapter, he'd say this. Dear friends. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Do you know that we're in a battle? We're in a battle. Paul said, look, there's things that wage war against you that want to pull you away from Christ. I encourage you. I challenge you. I urge you. This is not your home. Abstain from those. And here's what I want you to do. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Us living out our faith and killing our sin and saying no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God is really important. We talk a lot about God's love and grace and the calling because you know what? You can't live it out without God's gift of His love and His grace. The Christian life is grace, grace, grace. It's not a grace that you just kick your feet up and rest as if you have nothing to do. It's a rest that compels you to action. So the things in your life that wage war against your soul, I challenge you, kill them. Okay, not a person, okay, right? If somebody is, okay. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But those sins that want to entice you, want to keep your way, want to make you have a bad witness, God is serious about it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't live that way. Fight against it. It may be a lifelong battle, but it's worth it. Do it. Not to be saved. No, because you have been saved already. So live it out. But you see, we want our lives to be a witness to the world. And so it, God is serious about us living how God desires us to do. So I encourage you, keep at it. Fight. God is with you and He loves you. And you see this thing that that Peter said about even if people accuse you of doing wrong, when Christ returns, they're like, I've got not like we just have to glorify God. That's what Jesus said. He said, Look, you're a light, you're you're a city on a hill. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl, instead they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We are witnesses and ambassadors as we live out our faith, as we let ourselves be different from the world. They see that something is different. That's one of the ways that we are a witness. Number two, it's not just our deeds, it's also our words. Okay? We always want to be living our life. Okay. Somebody once said... um, preach at all times if necessary use words you ever heard that quote okay and that's true but there is a time when it's actually time for us to use our words and share the good news okay because we have been given like remember what we read in corinthians god is making his appeal through y'all through me we implore you be reconciled to god in romans chapter 10 paul kind of puts it like this If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart you believe and are justified, made just as if you never sinned. It's it's with your heart that you oh it's with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and you're saved. As the Scripture says, get this: anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile; the same is Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the good news of the gospel. You have not sinned too much to be forgiven. You can come to the altar. You can come to the one who loves you and he can forgive you and walk with you. And here's the next part of that verse. How can they call on one they've not believed in? how can they believe in one whom they've not heard and how can they hear it without someone preaching to them and how can they preach unless they're sent as it's written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news if it's with the heart we believe and are justified with our mouth we confess we're saved but paul says but look if they don't know if they don't they can't believe And if they don't believe they can't call on him and you know what if nobody tells them about it how are they going to know and if they're not sent how is anybody going to go well here's Two things with that. This is why we love sending and equipping missionaries. Because there are people all over the world that don't know Jesus. And so here as a church in the States, we can fund them with finances. We can pray for them. We can send them out. Awesome. Let's do it. Do it more. People need to know Jesus all over the world. Amen? Amen. Y'all are sent to live the missionary life here. Because there's so many people that they heard about Jesus, but they don't know the gospel. And how can they really believe the gospel if nobody tells them, actually uses their words to tell them? So preach at all times, and if necessary, use words. And guess what? There's always a time when it's necessary. We have been sent, we've been commissioned, right? That's what Jesus said the Great Commission. You go. And make disciples. And we do that by sending out missionaries. And we do that by living it out. This is how our life has purpose and has meaning. Because you only live forever. Last one. Today, live for that day. Accepting the gracious gift of God. That's an each and every day thing. In our deeds, in our words, and in our ministry. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And let's see what Peter says about this. We've been looking at a lot of Paul. The end of all things is near. Still true today. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled. Those words, we, we've seen a lot of those. Be self-controlled, be alert, be clear-minded. Okay? Know God's word. Know who he is. Know who he has made you. Know your identity. Know the gift that you have. Know the battle that you're in. And know that you've already won. And walk in that. That's what it means. Why? So that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You see, when the church gets this body of Christ thing, this family thing right, where we know one another, we love one another, we take care of each other, we become a beacon of light. I want to be a part of that community, a part of a place that people really care about me and they're they're willing to sacrifice for me when a church gets that right, that's part of the ministry we have as a body of Christ. But Peter takes it another step. He says this, Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's gift in his various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Why? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, we preached about this. We've all been gifted to serve. God has given us gifts and ministries and passions that he wants us to walk out. Why? Jesus told this story about a servant. And this is what he said. Suppose a master goes away and he leaves his servant in charge. And the master's been away for a long time. And suppose that servant is like, man, the master's been gone for so long. I'm, I'm going to take a little bit easy. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm in charge of this household now. I'm going to do what I want. And he's abusing the, the servants. And he's not doing his work. And then Jesus says, the master comes back and it's like, you wicked servant, and throws him out. And he says, but what if that, what if that servant said, my master's away, but he's coming back. And I, I'm, I'm going to stay on task with what I have, the ministry right in front of me. And what does a servant do? What does a servant do? What the master gives him. Now, there are times maybe where the servants have to be innovative and things like that. But if like your job is to cook the food as a servant, that's the ministry in front of that servant. Do that. So we want to be faithful servants. And sometimes we can over spiritualize it and all this. But here's the thing. What is the ministry God has put right in front of you that you can walk in? Now, I can't answer that question for you. I can give you a couple um, categories to think of in your family. In your work, in your school, in your community, with your neighbors, here at the church. Like, what has God put right in front of you that today, because today's the only day we have, you can walk in it. Okay? A, a quick example to show we don't have to over-spiritualize this. Yes, we're called to be ambassadors and missionaries, and we want to be able to build relationships with others. This is what missionaries do, right? If we talk to our missionaries, they're out in the tribe. They build relationships. they They... Connect with people in order to be able to know them and be able to share the gospel with them. We need to be doing that too. But you know what? A couple days ago, what was one of the ministries right in front of me that day as a dad was, was my kids were sick. In the middle of the night, they threw up, and there was laundry to do and things to clean up. At 4 a.m., that was my ministry right then. And I was thinking about this sermon. That's my ministry. Right then, in that moment, that's what I, that was part of being a faithful servant. The little things, the big things. It's about walking in faithfulness. June 5th, we're going to have a ministry fair out here where you have an opportunity to connect with the ministry leaders because you have been gifted to serve and there's areas you can serve here at the church. And I really encourage you to be praying about how would God have you serve here in the ministry of the church. I've heard people often say that the church, the local church is the hope of the world. Okay? Seems kind of prideful. Jesus is the hope of the world, right? He lives and dwells in his people. We're the body of Christ. So yes, the church is the hope of the world. Not because of who we are, but because of Christ in us. We have a high and weighty calling. It's okay if it feels weighty, it should. We've been called to be witnesses, to be ambassadors and to be missionaries. So what does all of this mean? Everything we went through today. One so what? Today, and when tomorrow's today, and when the next day is today, you kind of get what I mean? Today, live for that day. Accept God's gift. Let it out in your words, your deeds, and your ministry. It helps you remember it better, the PDAs. We pray, we display, we be available, and we share. Because God has called you in our little dash of a life that echoes throughout all of eternity. Your life has meaning and purpose. So that day, so today, live for that day. I'm going to leave you with uh, two challenges and, and a quick story. So if I praise Ben, what's coming up Ken? A challenge I have for you, if you're taking notes, even if you're not, you can write it down or type it on your phone. What stands in the way? What is it that stands in the way of you living your life on purpose every day? Just take a minute. Jot down something. If you can't think of something now, jot it down later. And here's my challenge this week. You write that down and ask for God's help and say, This week, God, show me how I can get this out of the way. Whatever it is. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not. Now here's two things. Don't get so concerned and preoccupied with the cares of the world. Yes, we, we have jobs, we have houses, we have things we have to take care of, and we should, that's part of our witness. To live and work and do well and take care, be a good steward. That's, but don't become so overly concerned about it that you, are, that you miss out what's right in front of you. And don't get so hypnotized by what the world wants to offer that you fall asleep. I'm going to leave you with this story from Charles Spurgeon. In a sermon titled, Awake, Awake. This is what he said. A city suffers under the plague, with an official walking the streets calling, Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! All while a doctor with a cure in his pocket sleeps. A passenger ship reels on the waves. They're going to crash into the icebergs, and it's going to bring certain death to everybody on there. All the while, the captain is sleeping. And finally, a man is condemned to die. He's terrified. He's terrified of of being hung from his neck. He's terrified of what comes next. And all the while, in the room next door, a man with a pardon, a letter of pardon in his pocket, is sleeping. Witnesses, ambassadors, missionaries, Skiff Lake Bible Church, let's not be sleeping. Let's not be sleeping. We pray with me? Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you indeed rose from the dead and that gives our life purpose because you're coming back and we only live forever. So God, I pray you give us your heart and your passion for those that are around us. God, show us the big and little ways that we can walk in the ministry right in front of us. And God, I pray that you'll help us to be awake and alert. Who can we begin to build relationships with that we can love on them? We can show them your love by how we live and act and minister and by the words we speak of the good news of Jesus Christ. Give us boldness, Lord. We want to be your witnesses, your ambassadors, your missionaries. So help us to be awake. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.